Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from 4 Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to another edition of inside supercars joining us this week to wrap up 2015 it's a big job but this man known as three time would be able to do it it's tony shebecki Hello, Craig. How are you, mate? Not too bad. Now, On The Grid is in recess at the moment, but you're still being heard out there at SEN and SRN and RSN. Yeah, it's all doing, happening. Doing heaps of work at the moment, mate, which is nice. The uh, bank accountant, uh, the accountant likes it. The bank manager enjoys it as well. So, no, yeah. keeping ourselves very busy, and that's all you can do at this time of year. And the big bash kicking off at the MCG, where you are, of course, the voice. Very much looking forward to the game on uh, Sunday with the... Stars taking on the uh, Sydney Thunder in their first home game for the year. Mm. Well, the voice of V8 Supercars at the track and then, of course, on Fox Sports Supercars supports coverage is Chad Nalen. Good evening, Chad. Hey, Craig. How are we going? Uh, good evening to the Shebexter. Lovely to be uh, on the show. Hello, Chadley. Good to be here. And, of course, whilst we're gratuitously, gratuitously plugging all the other uh, jobs uh, going on, of course, you've got the Speedway season kicking off in earnest and uh, plenty of shows to do around yep. the World Series Sprint, sprint Cars and, uh, of course, Speedway from across the country. Yeah, man, we had uh, the first round uh, this weekend just gone in Sydney. Jamie Veal got the first win of the year. He's much unstoppable, so... Um, that's how I spend my Christmas. I have a couple of days off and then straight back into it. See where it starts. Goes all the way back to Crystal. Mm. And it sounds like we've also got Darth Vader on the line, Shebex. Might be a bit <laughs> close to the microphone there. Uh, apologies for that. <laughs> anyway, 2015, what a year it was. That's for the phone just fell out of my hand. Then. <laughs> no, well, it's just you're getting, you're getting excited for the Star Wars premiere this week. Oh, without a doubt. Luke, I am not your father. <laughs> At least I don't think so, anyway. <laughs> Yes, wait for the DNA results. <laughs> Guys, 2015, a big year, many, many interesting and uh, certainly uh, game-changing events. But it's been post-season, Shebex, where we've heard some fascinating stories come out, and one of which today the Financial Review has reported that uh, Archer Capital could be uh, looking to sell off some of their 60% of the series, uh, but there's a lot, slight problem that no one out there wants to actually buy sporting companies, yeah, at the moment because uh, it's a pretty tough market to sell in. Yeah, it is a bit of a problem, isn't it? If, uh, if that's what they want to do, uh, 60% is a, a fair whack of what they've uh, purchased, and I'd say they wouldn't be wanting it to go for uh, anything less than what they believe to be a fair price, and God knows what that could be also. So, yeah, they're going to find a bit of a problem with that at the moment. Uh, there's not much money around. People have really uh, tightened up as they just try to see which way the uh, the country goes in regards to budgets and the like. So, it's going to be a tough sell. It could be indeed. But, Chad, 
the, it's coming on the back of the first year of the new TV deal, which whilst there are still a few Luddites out there that haven't uh, woken <laughs> up to the fact, it, it has been quite a successful uh, change to the 10 and Fox Sports package. Absolutely. I, I think now that we've had a, a, a year to assess it, um, I know that the feedback that I've got from lots of people who aren't necessarily big, who I thought were very supercar fans, just kind of general sports fans, um, have just been exposed to it in levels like that I've never seen before. So that alone has to be a good thing. Um, it was a massive undertaking to to do that. Um, hopefully we, we continue on next year and, and try and deliver the same because it was, it was awesome to be a part of it. But it's, it's a massive undertaking. I'm glad that there's three months until we have to do it all over again, that's for sure. Mm. And it's taken its toll with Scott Young, who was the head of V8 Supercars Media, um, or V8 Media, I should say. Shebeck's being uh, shown the door last week after uh, the final round of the championship. Yeah, uh, unfortunately for Scott, he's done a fantastic job in setting up everything that he has set up uh, for V8 Supercars. There's not too many... Uh, sports in Australia that actually run their own broadcasting effectively, and that's exactly what V8 Supercars does. It seems to be fairly uh, popular in motorsport around the world. We know that Dorna run uh, MotoGP, and they also run their own broadcast. F1 Management do exactly the same. So, uh, yeah, V8 Supercars is one of the few sports in Australia to do it, and they do it very well. Chad, you and the team uh, do a great job in, in what you do for V8 Supercars TV, and yeah, unfortunately that's the look of that may change now that a new person comes in. They'll have their own ideas and we wait and see how that pans out. But I agree with you. I think the coverage this year through Fox Sports has been second to none. Whether everyone can access it or not due to the fact that they may or may not have Fox Sports is another story. But I think the job that Fox Sports have done has been amazing in regards to the, uh, the pre and post race stuff. It's just yeah, it's cover- unprecedented coverage. And once again, I've said it before to you, Craig, on air, and I'll say it again. If you haven't got Fox Sports and you're a V8 supercar fan, I can't understand why. Mm. 50 bucks a month and what you get is just amazing. It's also interesting, Chad, that uh, Bruce Newton wrote a very interesting story for V8X magazine uh, talking about the TV deal. And uh, it seems like the only criticism levelled at a industry where a you know, industry professionals have looked at the deal is that the demise of Superview and the ability to just buy that that online package, if you like, is actually the only peer review that has been a criticism of it. Yeah, and that goes to show you how important subscriptions are to Foxtel. You know, if Fox are going to invest, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into it, then they kind of deserve to be able to call shotgun on that. So they own the digital rights to V8 supercars with Foxtel Go. Um, and at the end of the day, if you have Foxtel, you can watch every session on your iPad or iPhone or laptop or wherever you are in the office. I've got mates that text me every Friday, you know, during a V8 event just to say, hey, I'm in the office and I've got the iPad on and I'm watching the youth practice. How cool is this, you know? So I, I get that people um, are frustrated that Superview doesn't exist anymore because it was rad. Um, and there are a few cheeky people overseas that still get to enjoy it but uh, at the end of the day it's a necessity for Foxtel to be able to put that kind of money up it's like people who say why can't we have all races on channel 10 but also still have the Foxtel for their for people who want to invest and you know actually spend the money the problem is Foxtel don't get worse unless 
everything is handed to them. That's, that needs to be that way. Otherwise, they're just simply not going to put the hundreds of millions of dollars into it that they have. Mm. Yeah, I, look, it's certainly uh, been, in my opinion, a successful year. And when you look at the the marketing figures that V8s have been very open and transparent about sending them out after each round, the numbers are... You know, the numbers are getting close to where they were when it was all free-to-air and um, it's it's just time and adjustment. No one ever got to see every single game of AFL football live and free. No one ever got to see, you know, you almost never got to see a live and free rugby league game. Um, and here's V2 because which have had it very, very good for fans for all those years and just by way of... Um, uh, promoting some upcoming shows. James Warburton uh, talks to Inside Supercars about the first year of the TV deal from his perspective, and uh, he's got some very interesting thoughts, as you would expect. Guys, plenty more to talk about, but we should take a break here on Inside Supercars. I hope you'll stay with us. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bolt Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two level two the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Chad Nalan and three-time Shebeki, who is still <laughs> going after the record of his uh, co-commentator on SEN, four-time Crail. And, I'll pass him, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see how 2016 shapes up, but we still need to review some of the moments of 2015. And one of them, of course, was a interesting little incident that happened up in uh, the Northern Territory. Jazz, what was it like when Craig Lowndes crossed the line to get his 100th victory? Um, from a TV point of view, uh, it was a relief because we obviously had been planning for the moment and we had everything stacked away and ready. We had highlight packages. Obviously, we had supercars, had the special 100 board and the helmet and there was all these things put in place we just needed Craig to get there and uh, and get that moment across the line. Um, thankfully, uh, he, he didn't make his wait all that long, actually. It was only really uh, three or so races. I think I had a stat lined up for Townsville. If he made it to Townsville, he would have been on 99 wins for 99 days, but it never happened. Um, but if he hadn't won there, it would have been... Imagine if he'd got to Bathurst and Bathurst was the 100th. It would have... I think the, like there would have just been a, a crater, <laughs> the city formerly known as Bathurst. Um, the place would have just imploded under you know so much excitement. So uh, that was that was a cool moment. Um, I actually I read it with the podiums. I get to I just literally just read a script which says who's first and he's the bloke handing out the uh, the trophies. On that one, it was actually Adam Giles as well. So that was a pretty cool one. I've actually got that script framed and up in the office at home. So 
It was the only one all year that I kept, and I think that probably sums up how big that moment was. Mm. Shebex, uh, Lounsey's 100th win was a big one, but then they went to Sydney, and it was an amazing off-track story on the Friday. And when you think about it, were it a year ago, there would have been absolutely no television footage of the helicopter blowing up the pit lane and having the hoarding crashing into the sides of James Courtney because Fridays had no telecasts and had no cameras on the racetrack or any of the surrounds. Exactly right, Craig. So uh, once again, going back to what we were talking about before the break, just how lucky are we of the unprecedented coverage that we get from Foxtel and the fact that they had those cameras there. And that was an amazing story in itself because not only did it uh, look bad, it was bad. And uh, with the injuries and the internal injuries to James Courtney, that forced him to miss the next few races. Unfortunately, he wasn't available then for Sandown. He wasn't available for uh, the Bathurst. But then, boy, oh boy, what a return on the Gold Coast. And I think a few of us were fairly shocked that he was actually uh, having a drive at the Gold Coast. Still, a lot of us still thought that maybe he wasn't going to be 100%, but he couldn't be anything further from uh, 100%. I mean, he was over 100%, and the fact that he got up and actually won on the uh, on the Sunday with his teammate in Jack Perkins, which was another great story as well, the fact that it was Jack, Person, Jack Perkins' first win in V8 supercars to do it with James Courtney, who was on the return from uh, from that injury, that was just that was one of the stories of the year, no doubt. Yeah, it was a, a great story, Chad. And for you who are working through that Friday and Saturday uh, stuff, it uh, became a uh, touch paper moment because you had the Navy helicopter, Navy sponsors FPR, and the conspiracy theories <laughs> ran right. <laughs> Uh, we had a few good conspiracy theories this year, like Van Gisbergen and Reynolds and all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah, I was we because it was obviously it was practice session two or three that day. I can't remember. And we're just about to go live. Um, I was on just doing the track commentary for it, and our producer got on the back mic and said, "Hey, uh, just a heads up, uh, Jack Perkins is replacing James Courtney for the session." So obviously, I get on the back mic and ask, "Okay, why is that?" <laughs> replies with, um, he's apparently been hit by a piece of debris in pit lane from the helicopter. <laughs> About five seconds of silence, I was like, okay. Uh, and then, obviously, I was like, uh, let's just push on and maybe not talk about that, shall we? Mm-hmm. So, it was uh, did, one of those... Did three, did three letters WTF into your head? Or did he yeah. Put that? <laughs> it was... Uh, Amazingly, that's not even the strangest helicopter story we have over the last 12 months. We had a helicopter land at Phillip Island um, at turn four during a sports GT qualifying session. They had to throw a red flag. I, I, I legitimately mean on the racetrack as well, like just next to it on the grass yeah. during a live session. Helicopters this year got a lot of people into hot water. Even the uh, Speaker of the House of Representatives got into a <laughs> tad of trouble as well. Um, James Courtney, though, he was a and a touch paper um, figure right throughout the years. It started, in fact, Chad, down in Tasmania. And and really, it was the first time we got a glimpse of what the Foxport coverage could do with a small off-track incident. And, of course, well, it was an on-track incident, Courtney getting into the back of Will Davison in the Erebus, but it was what happened in the pit lane afterwards, which then wrote the story for pretty much the rest of the weekend. 
And amazingly, they just so happened to be following Garth Kander that weekend. So not only did we get to see from one angle that little argument between JC and Will in the pits, but then on Inside Supercars a few nights later, they played the package of how Garth's weekend went. And they had this amazing shot of Garth watching that argument happen in the pit. And then JC walking back over to Garth and Garth going, uh, there was this great line, he said, oh, he's not worth it, mate, or something like that. <laughs> um, it was just one of those cool behind-the-scenes moments that um, proved that the coverage has come so far. But we need more of that. I was kind of hoping having Marcus back would, would lead to a bit more of that as well. But... Um, there's nothing wrong with a little little bit of an argument in the pits. We had a couple this year, Nick Percat, Dale Wood. Um, pretty much any post-race Percat interview was a cracker uh, this year. So I, I like a bit of passion. I like a bit of niggle. More of that in 2016, I reckon. Mm. That was sort of NASCAR-style stuff, wasn't it, all that? Good, yeah. Yep, it was indeed. Look, plenty more to talk about, but we should t- take a break here on Inside Supercars. Don't forget, you can hear Inside Supercars. This is the podcast radio program, not to be confused with something else that Chad gets his face on. We don't have the uh, we don't have the luxury of pictures here, but uh, you can hear Thank it God. on yeah. Stitcher. <laughs> yes, that's right, Stitcher. It's available in Holden's, all other makes and models of cars. I think there's over two million delivery methods to receive Stitcher. And Inside Supercars is on there as well. So you can search for Inside Supercars along with iTunes, of course, the website, and a whole bunch of other places as well. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media, or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian title since we've been back, and it's unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, as Tony Shebecki and Chad Nalen join me, Craig Ravel. And, and guys, we touched on a few stories, and Chad, just before the break, you talked about uh, what a shame it was that Marcus Ambrose wasn't around for longer, and that was probably one of the biggest surprises of the year, wasn't it? That uh, by the Grand Prix, the non-championship second outing, he um, said, hasta la vista. Oh, man, it was just so disappointing. Great great for Scott Pye, obviously. Um, but it was just... I, I, it sounds harsh saying it, but that would have to be one of the worst sporting comebacks in Australian sports history. You come back to your races and you throw it in. I just flabbergasted by it, you know? I, I want to know what's next for Marcus. And there's, the story as to why this happened never really... I feel like we never got to the bottom of it, you know? Like, there were so many different rumours getting around when it all happened. DJ, I swear that it, it was all Marcus's decision, uh, which I believe. But I just feel like something happened deep down in Marcus's heart or brain where he just fell out of love with it all of a sudden. And uh, it's just tragic, mm. really. But just would 
love to get to the bottom of that one day. Well, I can tell you, if you listen to Inside Supercars in the coming weeks, Dr. Ryan Story from DJR Team Penske goes into quite a bit of detail from the Team Penske side, or the DJR Team Penske side, of the uh, whole situation. And, uh, it's quite interesting, the honesty that, uh, uh, that Ryan gives us on the whole, um, whole affair and his reflections on it now being the end of the season is fantastic. So that's another interview to, to listen out for in the coming weeks. Tony, what was your take? On Marcus Ambrose's situation, interesting. Mm. I would like to hope that you're right, Chad. I'd like to think that it was definitely Marcus's, all Marcus's doing. Something just feels, though, that that's not the right answer. I don't, I don't know what is, but it just feels like that's not the right answer. It is one of the worst you're right, sporting comebacks in, ever in the history of Australian sport, I reckon. And, uh, yeah, I, I find it so hard to believe that he could not drive these cars. I mean, the guy could drive them before he left. The guy could drive a NASCAR at a good speed. I don't understand what happened between him leaving the States and coming here. And I don't believe the cars are that difficult. If we can have guys that come from overseas and actually jump into our cars once or twice a year and actually, um, you know, not super fast, but can actually handle the cars quite well. So yeah, it's an interesting one. It's unfortunate Mark Stambos back in the sport over a long period of time would have been fantastic if he had been able to get himself up to speed and competing up the front of the grid. That doesn't happen, so we move on to the next story now, and that is the fact that Scott Pye had such a, a really good year and such a fantastic finish towards the year that one might think that Scott Pye could be a contender next year. Well, certainly that is something that is going to be debated now because, Chad, with Fabian Coulthard and Scott Pye at DJR Team Penske, they were showing great speed and more consistency at the back end of the year. Two cars, two lots of data, plus the engineering relationship with the now championship-winning Pro Drive Racing Australia. Is this going to be a breakout year, or do you think we're still a year away from them being a real contender? I know. It's it's time, all right. Don't worry about that. uh, Whether or not they win the championship, I don't know, but they'll be there winning races, absolutely. Um, We, at the gala dinner, I was was working for OVO, one of our new partners at V8 Supercars, just doing some interviews with drivers on the next to the red carpet. And uh, just one of the questions was, you know, who do, who do you fancy next year? Who's going to be strong? And I swear everyone said Fabian Coulthard. It's like they've got the fear already that next year DJR plus Penske plus Coulthard is equal success. So um, everyone is recognising that they are going to be a force next year. Mm. And was that uh, Chaz... Uh, was it... Chaz Seacrest Nalen doing those interviews on the red carpet? Or? <laughs> With the bow tie. <laughs> he so looked good to I saw him doing. I saw you there. You were great, Chad. I'd scrub up in a, uh, in a tux occasionally, all right. Yeah. You're a good-looking bloke. Thanks, thanks you, back no, about that. Well, that's why he's not only on radio. Exactly. Unlike <laughs> us, folks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, we move on to Erebus. Will Davison was the story about his arguments uh, with uh, with with uh, JC, but then by the end of the year, when he looked like he had two more years to serve, the opportunity came to uh, jump ship, and he jumped out of the Erebus E63 into a Techno 
and uh, a Techno Commodore, which uh, Shane Van Gisbergen certainly showed great speed in, Tony. It's, it's going to be interesting to see if Will can continue that momentum of the one-car team and uh, remembering that that team came second last year and it was like the best result for a one-car team in about 15 years. Yeah, well, we know that Will Davis can drive. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the fact that he got the uh, Erebus car on the top of a podium once in his career is a, a mighty, mighty effort because I'm not sure too many other drivers would have been able to achieve that as well. So we know he can drive. We know he can drive fast. Put him in a fast car, and we've seen that that car is definitely fast. Compliments of Shane Van Gisbergen and also Jonathan Webb when he jumped in it as well. Uh, this will be a good combination. I think this will continue Techno's uh, run of good good uh, finishes. Whether they be a lot of wins, I'm not too sure, but there'll definitely be a lot of podiums there for Will Davison. And Techno, they've got the right gear. They've got the Triple Eight gear. We know that that's going to be good next year and wait until you see Shane Van Gisbergen in a Triple Eight prepared car, not just a Triple Eight car. Uh, gee whiz, I don't know what odds Shane Van Gisbergen is for the championship, but I might take a little bit of that early right now. <laughs> <laughs> what about your thoughts on Will Davison's departure from Erebus? Um, smart move, first and foremost. I mean, you've got to look out for yourself. Uh, he's, he's probably not going to be, sounds again quite harsh, he's probably not going to go down as a, as a one-player, was it a one-team player at the end of his career, that's for sure. No, I think he's up to about five, isn't he? <laughs> he's bounced around, but yeah. at the end of the day, um, he's he's been a driver that, uh, gets chased out of teams a little bit, like you know, with Frosty at Pro Drive, who was his second fiddle. So, um, Garth at HRT, stuff, perhaps. Andrew, you know, yeah. So he had the luxury of being the number one man at Erebus, which has got him, um, you know, I reckon a lot of momentum. Um, and now that he's in a one car team, again, he doesn't have to really worry about that. But he has all this extra support coming in. He's going to be sharing a boom with Lounge. Uh, it's a it's a good environment for for Will. To succeed in, I reckon. Um, and Jamie Winkup at that last press conference was really glowing about how good a job Techno does at preparing a Triple Eight door car. You know, such saying at times that he reckons they do a better job than even they do with their own gear. So I think that'd be a good one. There was... I reckon. Um, I reckon Will could finish above the Giz in the championship. Will, right. Will's a, a long game player. Oh. They've both finished second in the championship before. Um, and I reckon that Will is a, is a better driver at putting a whole championship together. Mm. There's well, no doubt Shane's a quicker driver on the day, mm. but I reckon Will knows how to um, how to put a points race together. Dr. Jeff Slater is, of course, the engineer on that car. He's staying on with Will Davison, and he's a very, very good operator. Um, we speak to him in the coming weeks on Inside Supercars. and um, Of course, he and Will, interestingly enough, hadn't had a conversation at uh, before the end of the season. So they'd certainly kept themselves apart and there was no uh, trade secrets going one way or the other there, but uh, uh, they're looking forward to that partnership for sure. With Erebus, Chad, uh, I will say in the coming weeks we have another special on Erebus. We spoke to Daryl Clemenko. Um, about the team and uh, also to David Reynolds who uh, at Sydney foreshadowed the now officially announced move to Melbourne and it's interesting that the team has so much speculation over it. Uh, Even Daryl Clemenko couldn't say for sure 
whether Ash Walsh was going to be in the team at the, at the start of 2016, even though he had a two-year contract. That's, um, that's funny because he, during the big screen coverage at, at Sydney, he was being pretty coy with saying what was going to happen with the second seat. I've, um, I've got a feeling that, that's, that everyone's saying, oh, there's only one seat left with silly season, that being car three. There's two. Car, car four is, I reckon, on the table as well. Mm, it's going to be That's interesting. That's a good call. Also, another thing I'm sure they couldn't have confirmed either, Shane, was whether they're actually... Uh, Shane Craig, sorry. Whether they're actually running uh, Mercedes next year. Do we know whether that's 100% or are they going to possibly look at moving to uh, Wilkinshaw Holden? They haven't made that decision, and that was the honest answer that I, I got from them. Um, but... They're not sort of uh, shying away from the fact that they are having conversations. And with Walkinshaw's cutting back, there's obviously equipment there. But I'm not... My mail isn't going to be a customer program. It'll be all in-house, running out of their GT workshops. And I don't know if you've got anything different to that, Jess. No, because I think a lot of that's still in the decision-making process. One of the cool things about Betty is she's really honest and she doesn't play games and hold secrets on for six months at a time, any of that crap. Once it's done, she says it. Um, she had a really great post on Facebook around Gold Coast time, which said, if I haven't said it, it's not true. <laughs> and that's very Betty. If she she doesn't get, understand how a lot of these rumours start sometimes, but um, they'll, they'll tell us when they've signed it because at the end of the day, it, they don't really play games and they don't keep secrets. They usually just pump the news out once it's done. I think what happened with with, uh, Reynolds? Yeah, well, with Reynolds, uh, it was interesting because I think he was actually looking forward to moving house to the Gold Coast or to Queensland. And, of course, uh, he he was saying, I've lived in the same house for 10 years. I'm good for a change. And he said, somehow, I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. Change is as good as a holiday, isn't it? So anyway, in the interview, you can hear what David's hopes were for a move in location, but you never know, he could still move up there. It's uh, it's uh, not unlike Dave to uh, do that, and a lot of drivers, uh, Courtney and, and the like, have done the uh, commute. Will's first year was like that, wasn't it? He lived in Melbourne. Yes. You, oh, no, no, I think, um, I think they made... at the end of the year. I think they made the change during the year because his brother, Alex, was living in his house. And it just took his brother a little bit more time to move out than what was originally planned. I, I think that's my dark recollection of it. Right. Um, <laughs> we need to take a break here on Inside Supercast, but there's still one big story that we haven't Ooh. touched on here on this week's show. We'll get to it after the break. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And And you're you're listening listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Chad Nalen and Tony Shebecki. Chad, I think I keep calling you Chaz, and that's because the big story of the year in my book, (laughs) possibly the biggest, is Chaz Mostert. I take it as a compliment. Horrific accident at 
Bathurst, the in-car footage was just painful to watch when you know the full extent of the damage and you can see it un- unravelling in front of your eyes. And I hope I don't put any people who go back and watch that in, into uh, an ill state because now they know what they're looking for. But um, it has been pretty well documented that the gear lever and not having a safety cell is a uh, is something that uh, Vert Supercars as an organisation is looking at and DJR Team Penske in particular are developing. But um, I digress. Chad, the, the uh, Chas Mostert accident, it certainly brought the championship a lot easier to Mark Winterbottom, but it also made things a lot more difficult for the team. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... I have no doubt that they would have preferred that that moment never happened. One, because that's a 450-odd thousand dollar accident. Um, there was nothing salvageable from that car. It's funny you mentioned the onboard. I, I haven't seen... I've seen the onboard that you're speaking of, but apparently, uh, according to the people that were in the truck directing you know, traffic on that day, um, the cameras were still rolling when they were extracting Chaz out of the car, and apparently that is like really horrific what they saw. Um, some, some of our onboard operators were almost physically sick during it. Apparently it's grim as. Um, it'll never see the light of day, thankfully. Um, so uh, the big question for me is, will Chaz be ready? How will he bounce back? You know, you never know. It, I've always had this thing about, you know, the big accident, when you have your big accident, and every race driver has one. Did they ever return to that true form that they had before they had it? You know, Schumacher broke his leg in 99, came back and won five or championships. Hakkinen nearly died in Adelaide, came back and won two championships. Um, Rocky broke his leg a few years ago, and after a while, he returned to that awesome form again, you know, where he uh, was nearly winning the championship. So, I, I think Chaz has got that carefree attitude, Mr. Cool. I don't think it will affect him. Um, the biggest thing will be not having the leg and the knee and the wrist ready for Quipsal. It'll be having the rest of the body ready for Quipsal, knowing how brutal that race is and, and having to, to last two hours in a sauna. So I'd be amazed if he's ready and at 100% for Quipsal, but, man, I can't wait to see him come back because he's going to be seriously hungry. All right, Shabexter, you must be in a bit of a wind tunnel there. No, sorry, Craig, just going to the uh, kids' tinsel party at school, so just uh, hopped out of the car and making my way in. <laughs> Father of the year. Uh, yes. Shabexter, what did you think? For, of... for one day. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the, the Chaz Mostert You incident? know, I thought the biggest disappointment about it was was that I actually think Chaz could have been a championship winner. I actually think yep. Chaz would have pushed Frosty all the way to the finish line. And that's the way it was looking, heading up to Bathurst. Uh, Chaz was coming home so well. He'd had those 10 pole positions, of course, which he wrapped up the pole position award and the like. So I think that was the biggest disappointing thing out of the whole story, that uh, he could have actually had a championship this year. But that wasn't to be. I agree with you, mate, uh, Chad. I think he'll come back uh, as big and, and as good as he was last year. It may take a few races, and uh, you know, might not, we not, might not see the real Chaz Mostert until maybe... I well, know maybe May or June, but if it's not this year, I think next year is going to be. A, sorry, if it's not next year, it's the year after. I think it will be a fantastic uh, year for Chas Mostert, and uh, we just have to see. But as long as he fully recovers, and I'm sure he will, 
Everton will be fine. I don't know if uh, anyone mentioned this. Certainly everyone mentioned about James Courtney, his comeback at the Gold Coast and winning after the accident. But a lot of people uh, don't remember that he did that at Adelaide when he got yeah. back in the car yeah, that's right. after his um, his big accident as well. So yeah. um, we'll see. We'll see. It's a mental thing. And you've got to remember, Courtney has had a lot of big ones and he was almost killed, I think, in the Jaguar F1 car when he was testing yep. that. So that um, it, this is, I think you're exactly right, a big test on uh, his mental capacity because, as we know, the racing is as much a mental game as it is a physical game. New nickname for James Courtney, the cat. <laughs> Nine lives, you reckon? Nine lives, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, uh, so let's talk about the teammate, the champion, Mark Winterbottom. Uh, Tony, your thoughts? Yeah, no, an amazing effort by Frosty. Uh, that team has tried so hard over the last few years to get to where they uh, finally got this year, and they kept on tripping over at the last hurdle so many times, a second and a few thirds for Frosty, and uh, one might have thought that, that could have played some big tricks with his mind and whether he was ever going to get there, whether he had that full trust of his team. But everything came together. And even though they didn't have the best second half of the year, well, they may have had a good one. It was just the fact that Triple Eight overshadowed them for some magnificent finishes by Wincup and Lowndes that uh, he got probably a little bit closer than what Frosty would have liked in the end. But uh, I still think his biggest challenge would have been from Chaz Mostert had he have still been racing. When Chaz finished, it was nearly, uh, you know, right the, uh, right the check now for Frosty for the championship. So uh, a good win to them, and uh, I think that his window of opportunity had to be this year because, as I said, with Mostert uh, coming back uh, you know, bigger and better and stronger, hopefully, uh, he's going to prove a, a big challenge. So I'm not sure whether we're going to see Lowndes win another championship ever, and uh, maybe we might not see Frosty, but uh, he's got one now, and that's all that matters. Mm. And, uh, Chad, I guess one of the critical things in this whole affair was the fact that um, Peter Travaskis, who uh, cleaned up at the Media Awards uh, with three of them just on the one night, let alone Chebec's having to take three years to get three, <laughs> but uh, he didn't miss a trick all year, and I think they were so busy putting those bottle stickers on the car for 2016 on Monday, they missed the ultimate opportunity of that car going down to Doonside, going up and down the main street of Doonside, and uh, and really celebrating the win at home. I, I think that was the only trick he missed all year. Oh, that would have been a good one, actually, yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Mm. That's, a, um, that's a good point. He, he's very proud of where he's from. Um, he did do a couple of interviews uh, when they launched the Bottle car, one in particular that I was listening to on the side. Um, it was a local news team, and he, you know, that your, your postcode doesn't determine your future sort of stuff, and I'm... He's always been very proud of uh, peddling that, that aspect of life. You know, and I, I think that's one of his best attributes, actually, Frosty. So, given the opportunity, I'm sure he would have loved to have done it. It would have been a, it would have been a really cool little thing. We had a, a one car in the street first. Ricardo had his boat coming the other day. So we need, a, we need Frosty to have his next. Yep. We might not have had the James Bond entrance, though, to Piermont. That's true, right. true. Up the Parramatta River. Up, yeah. up, up Eastern Creek itself, maybe. Yes. <laughs> hey, we need to take a break here. A final thought or observation after this. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to have, um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Rapsdale family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought or observation, Tony Shebecki. Uh 2015, one of the more spectacular years we've had. So many different stories, and I'm a champion for the stories. There's just so much of it around, and some really good, hot racing in 2015. I think we've had the dominance of Jamie Winkup for far too long. That's finally been broken now by Mark Winterbottom. And one would think that next year that's going to be even more competition with the guys from uh, Team Penske that we spoke about before, Penske DJR, uh, looking to, to step up. We've got uh, Van Gisburn going to Triple Eight. So there's going to be a lot more contenders in 2016. Bring it on, because if it's any better than 2015, we are in for an absolute cracker. Uh, now, on the grid, we'll be back on the radio in, what is it, In February, February? sometime. It may be back for the 12-hour. may not be. It may be back the week before the uh, the Clipsal event. But uh, in the meantime, I've got a Sunday drive uh, on a Sunday morning. So that's just a nice, leisurely motoring program, which I'm looking forward to bring. All right, sen.com.au if you're not in the <laughs> region that can pick up double one one six with a eleven sixteen would prefer 16, to call it. Yeah, that's Craigan. it. And that's right, we we're not afforded the luxury of uh, new media superstars that have all this fandangled Holden radio gear. What in the hell was all that before? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got to say, Cam Moody doing a wonderful job on breakfast on Sen at the moment. He is too. He's uh, doing a great job. Um, by Jingo's, if I could take something from Kevin Bartlett. Um, Chad Nalen, what's your No, you won't take anything from Kevin Bartlett. He's, <laughs> he won't let anything go. <laughs> um, it, yeah, Shebexa reckons it's going to be a, a year of many different winners and uh, hotly contested, and I have to agree with him. But it's funny, you know, we're, this is going to be the last year of the current generation car already before we go to the, uh, the next gen. Um, if you go back to the last time we had the last year for the last generation of car, I'm pretty sure there were only two teams that won the races that year. I'm pretty sure Red Bull and, and ProDrive just mm. won. I, I think it was Will Davidson, Frosty, Lowndes and Winkup won every race. Yep. So at the end of a generation of car, typically the, the bigger teams have knuckled down how to do it and then they smash everyone and then the new rules come out and then your Brad Jones of the world find the ways to make a, a, a cool new car and they, they go well in the first year and the cycle repeats. So hopefully the cycle ends next year and we get lots of different winners and we get more than just two teams dominating. I, with DJR thrown into the mix, HRT on the rise, I, I couldn't see just two teams doing well next year. And I want to wish my uh, my good friend Spectre a uh, happy Boxing Day test. I reckon you're going to be pumping well. out those West Indian, Indian names very quickly, mate. Yeah, my 25th uh, Boxing Day test. Chad, thank you for that. Very much looking forward to this, uh, to the milestone. And, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to being home and uh, spending with the family on Tuesday. That is a very, that very makes good for a three day That makes for a three-day test. That should be about fine. Yeah. I, was, I was four years old when you did your first uh, Boxing Day test. Are you 29? Yeah. Yeah. Goodness me, you don't look a day over 28. No, that's a, that's a beauty of television. Exactly. Make up. <laughs> Chad, thanks very much for your time. I don't know if there's anything gratuitously we need to promote for you. Uh, got a book just, coming just out or anything? Go to your nearest speedway. Go to your nearest speedway, okay. 
Thanks very much to Chad Nail and Tony Shebecki. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.